Hello and welcome to RPG PodQuest, the show that's not only dropped the V and about RPGs, but is also an RPG. I'm today's host, Nick, and with me is Evan. Evan, welcome. It's great to be here on the 20th episode of RPG PodQuest. Which is crazy because that means almost half of them now have been with your uh, your new co-hosts. That's right. <laughs> that means we're going to get rid of you guys pretty soon, too. Excellent. We've got a, a, episode twenty four will be the death of Jeremy and Nick. That's right. Maybe and, that should be that should be the title of this episode. <laughs> and uh. speaking of, let's <laughs> hand over to Jeremy, who's on assignment. Yes. For his real life, so he's not actually here. Yeah, which is uh, you know understandable. Uh, we record at a very particular time of every week. And, uh, well, sometimes it doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> this episode's going to be a bit of a doozy. Um, might be might be short, might not be short. I, I I, I, I'm sure we can fill it. We, we can talk around the games. We can talk around the subjects. We'll, we'll, we can. We'll make do. We can. At least I, I'd like to start with just a little bit of news that was released today. So we are recording this uh, on February 4th. Fourth. Well, I guess it's the fifth for you, right? Correct. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, so I guess. Well, technically, maybe this news came out last night for you. Uh, well, I, um, I I hadn't seen it until um until I just opened up the show notes where you've written it in. So I'm quite excited. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I did go on to our little uh, our little group chat and said i am going to expound about my predictive abilities not only on this podcast uh did i back before we knew a whole lot about uh, pokemon legends arceus uh, i i did say that i didn't think it was going to be truly uh, open world and i mean i don't know you could argue that that is or is not the case but a couple of episodes uh, ago i also uh, made a prediction that Voice of Cards would be a series name. And <laughs> the news that was released today uh, certainly does confirm that, because we have now, uh, coming out on February 17th, uh, as a matter of fact, Voice of Cards, The Forsaken Maiden. Uh, so this has much of the same team working on it. I know Yoko Taro, again, is the scenario writer, uh, for this, um, and I would assume, uh, just by taking a look at you know some of the art uh, and and what have you, that it's it's the same uh, character artists and everything. Um, but Nick, have you had a chance to take a look at uh, the announcement of this game? Uh, do you have any thoughts? Uh, just initial thoughts about uh, this. I am one minute six, seven, eight, nine into the trailer, Evan. Um, yeah, I, I think echoing just what you said artwork looks really similar um obviously there's just sort of some some glimpses of what's going on there um no i'm excited i you know i enjoyed myself um with the original sort of 10 15 hours which i think was a really good length um happy happy to see where they expand i think like i said you know there's a lot there that they could expand upon um they, they sort of really had the framework and it'll be interesting to see where they take this yeah, I, I really am curious because this is really, it's releasing so quickly uh, mm. in terms of, of turnaround after the previous game. I mean, 
I don't know if we're seeing more than just two installments of this. Um, you know, they they did really say that this is, I guess, set in the same universe, but it is very much a completely new story. I, I, I'm curious to see how much they iterate on the gameplay that was seen in the first game. Yeah, and especially with how quickly it's coming out, wondering whether they've, you know, either sort of just repeating or, you know, maybe they had a lot they had to leave on the cutting room floor because they had some deadlines last time, um, which would be yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, I really do wonder uh, about this. I mean, you know, it makes me kind of want a physical version of this even more, uh, or some maybe even some sort of bundle would be great. Um, and of course, if, if there are still more installments uh, to be seen uh, down the line, you know, there could be some sort of compilation uh, that yeah. is released at some point. I, 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 I would kind cool. of almost like to see them use the mechanics, but, you know, different... different art styles but different worlds as well you know it still looks very fantasy i wouldn't mind seeing a more modern setting or you know a a, just a different style using the same mechanics could sort of spice things up a little bit more because i whether it's going to be a bit too samey you know it's it it wasn't a very in-depth game um but no i'll I'll definitely check it out when it comes out yeah you know a part a you know, maybe a part of me just kind of wants to maybe start with this version too. Um, because again, you know, if this was kind of in the cards, kind of scheduled, uh, oh, what a pun. Um, yeah, if this was in the cards uh, back kind of like when the first game launched, they, they had this in the pipeline, um, you know, they might not have necessarily heard any feedback about that previous game. Uh, and and I do believe that, you know, not f- just from what I heard you say, but I've heard a, a couple of people say that mechanically, um, the 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 system, the combat system, uh, doesn't really change all that much throughout your playtime. Yeah, and... it, it just sort of had that unique little hook, which was enough, you know, for for ten hours. Um, but definitely would be good to see them expand upon that. Right, so I wonder if they even have expanded, uh, or if it's it was kind of too late in the game for them to do so. I mean, in any case, I'm really curious to to take a look at this. I, I do like the uh, the two main character uh, portraits quite a bit. I think they 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 pop to me in a way that the uh, previous characters yeah. did not. Yeah. But I don't know. That that's really all that I've I've got to say about this. Uh, I think it is a exciting and ambitious way to to frame these sorts of very simplistic, maybe straightforward uh, sorts of narratives. But I mean, do you think that the narrative in the uh, the Isle Dragon Roars? Did you feel that that uh, was nuanced enough, or did you feel that it it got its proper due in that uh, in that span of time that you had with the game? Uh, I, I mean, it was it was a it was a decent enough story. It was fairly simple. Um, you know, there was a a bit of a twist later on in the game. I, I think most of its strength probably came from just the little side characters you'd run into, and you know, the little little gremlins out on the path that would you know just want to speak to you about something. That was it was probably more just they they fleshed out the world nicely. The story itself was fairly basic, so would be nice if they expanded there. Um, it was an interesting story. Like it wasn't a 
you know, a story beat or plot that I've sort of seen utilized before. Um, yes, there's a dragon and you've got to go beat the dragon was the basics, but behind the scenes there was a little something. Uh, but there, there wasn't too much there. There wasn't too much, I guess, world to get into and understand. Yeah, you know, when I think of Yoko Taro, he's known for having these very extravagant... Um, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure I'd say deep um, narratives, but, you know, there's there's definitely a lot going on um, in some of his major works. And so to hear that this was pretty tame in terms of writing was a bit surprising to me. Yeah, and ho- hopefully, you know, this one just has given them a bit more time to flesh out. They've proven the concept works and they can move on from from that and expand, yeah, some of the frill around the edges. Which yeah, I think and I, would, I, really needs, which would be good. I do, you know, if if they're bringing back the narrative, uh, the narr, the narrator, yeah. um, from the first game, uh, that guy's got to be, uh, sitting pretty on a on a nice paycheck because uh, yeah, he's had a whole lot, whole lot of work with I was these. Say, two. Yeah, quick quick work too. So he's not had to sit around for for another two years, you know, yeah, like sure. like between Lost Fear and uh, I forget the other names, but you know that sort of time frame's much snappier. Yeah, it does. It at least I think it's nice to see Square Enix taking a chance with these smaller uh, sorts of products. Because um, I know that this was maybe thirty dollars when it first came out, um, or at least the first game was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and I think you know it was one of the, it launched with twenty percent off or something as well. So it was it was reasonable priced. Um, yeah, hopefully they. I, I probably wouldn't pay the same amount for a second one if it's, <laughs> you know, if it's got the same level of detail or, you know, I did enjoy it, but there just probably wasn't enough there um, to not treat it as an expansion pack unless they're doing something quite different. Yeah, yeah, that's that was my thing too, is I, I could have imagined uh, DLC uh, to that original game, but this is, you know, being marketed as, marketed as a second product. Yeah, so. well, so that was my first surprise when, you know, you'd written their voice of cards, The Forsaken Maiden. I'm like, oh, cool, there's some DLC. And then you're like, oh, there's a new sequel. And I'm like, what? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing that surprises me the most about this. Anyway, um, I will, I'll be keeping my eyes on this one, but I do have uh, quite a busy February uh, already lined up for me and that's some stuff that i can't really talk about on the podcast up until maybe mid to late february so uh, that's a little tease at something that will be covered but um let's just say this might have to you know even if it does end up looking good uh or or more unique mm. than the original title might have to go on the back burner for me i was gonna say if, if jeremy's getting the hot scoop on our chemco games for you evan i i'm i'm thinking either weird offshoot persona-esque games or sm- <laughs> you know <laughs> so some kind of monarch caligula-esque I mean, you uh, wouldn't be far off there. <laughs> you know what? I'm I, I'm excited that those... And, you know, for me, like I've talked about before, I've always only ever really had Nintendo consoles. And, you know, these things have, have always come out on things like the PS2, PS3, that kind of stuff. Uh, to what frequency, sure. I'm not sure. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of enjoying the access to these, you know, we'll call them yeah. B, B JRPGs, but by teams that, you know, understand concepts and, and understand world building. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really quite nice. 
Yeah, well, um, you know, just to go back to Caligula, right, and and Monarch too, uh, both developed by Furio, right, uh, who I've you know mentioned uh, previously when we back when we first talked about Monarch, but yeah. uh, you know, I knew them best from their their 3ds uh, output, um, but Caligula again was a uh, that was a Vita title originally, um, and yeah, to see. I mean, obviously, because the Vita and the 3DS no longer exist, right? To see them migrate to the Switch is really welcome, but you're also seeing a lot of uh, PS4 and, and Switch dual releases uh, for these kinds of RPGs, which makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, if you think about oh, the sales figures for both of those consoles, right? Like, they are what most people have in their houses right now. So, mm. um it makes sense and it's a great market uh to to have your games uh, on but yeah so i mean i guess we can move into new games or games that we've been playing uh, um nick do you want to uh, start us off yeah i mean we may as well i just some some lighter stuff i've been touching on um in the background i think there's i can't remember if i briefly mentioned it last week or the week before but my wife and i have jumped back into it's not an rpg but lego city undercover and evan i know i've mentioned this game to you before um yeah you know it's it's a what 2013 wii u game that got re-released on the on the switch ps4 and whatnot in 2017 i think (laughs) essentially grand theft auto but it's got co-op and uh, this is never this is the third time we've played through the game now and it's 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 just fun you know, yeah. I I can't speak to it enough. If anyone's ever played a Lego game, you know, it's it's similar, but it's a lot more open worldy. You know, you've got your giant GTA esque hub. There's just the the writing's well written and I've spoken here before, I don't often gel with the humor in video games, but I think the writers of this game and I actually went to the level of, you know, checking the credits, see who it was, um, you know, find the guy's Twitter, see what other games he's worked on, that kind of stuff. I, I was really sort of impressed with with the writing in this game. Wow. But it's just you know, it's good. It's kid friendly too. Um, maybe you know something. Jeremy, we can uh, get him to to play with his kids at some point. It is a bit glitchy, and that's unfortunate. But you know, it, it crashes after about an hour and a half each night. It's plenty of time. <laughs> we we you know nine thirty p.m. hits the game crashes. We like call it and head off to have a cup of tea and go to bed. Um, yeah, it's got those uh, those built in uh, progress checks. Or, yeah, or exactly. It's breaks. it's it's you know the family friendly aspect, but no, we're about. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say last time we checked about seventy five percent of all the collectibles at the moment, okay. which I think on the three playthroughs we've probably gotten you know eighty five ninety five percent. We we are aiming to one hundred percent at this time. I know it gets well, a bit difficult later on because you know you got to find the obscure <laughs> little brick or or a puzzle scattered around but no I'm, I'm enjoying it and it's we don't often play a lot of games together because we've got very different styles of games you know i play a lot of rpgs um, my wife plays a lot of sort of platformers and, and fast-paced twitchy games like uh, you know overcooked that kind of stuff um so it's it's yeah it's nice to have something we're both enjoying um which has been nice and it, like i said third time through still still having fun which sort of speaks to the game yeah, you know, uh, and this is a, a topic that is worth talking about, but, uh, you know, gaming with a, a partner or a, or a spouse or what have you, uh, it can be a, a tough, tough thing. Um, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, uh, my partner has absolutely no interest in what I've been playing for most of this past week. 
Uh, and in fact, she keeps saying to me, she'll, you know, I'll be in the middle of, uh, spoilers, uh, for, for what I'm going to be talking about, but I'll be in the middle of catching a whole bunch of Pokemon. Right. And she'll just be like, you know what? I miss Nino Cooney too. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Um, I mean, th- that game has yeah. a whole lot more of a narrative drive to it, too. Uh, and that's and the thing. I- if, you, if you're backseat gaming, sometimes that kind of stuff can just be nice, especially with the art oh, yeah. style of Nino Cooney. It's just, just nice right. to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so finding that balance of, uh, of a game that is uh, fun for somebody to even watch, uh, yep. let alone, you know, maybe even uh, play co-op, uh, because, you know, again, co-op games, you have to learn... Uh, not only the language of the controls, but how you two as partners can navigate the game world. Yeah, uh, which which really works here with LEGO City because you do have the giant overworld. Like we will spend, you know, 30, 40 minutes just doing our own thing. Um, you know, maybe go, hey, should we head to this, this you know, the, the beach section of the, the world and, and explore around there? And then it's like, hey, let's jump back into a level and 100% it. So it, it's, it's kind of got a nice you know, do your own thing pace along with some, some, you know, some, some gameplay together there, which has been good rather than, yeah, like, you know, having to depend on each other or having to go through the exact same thing. Well, um, yeah. And, and to go back to uh, even Nino Kuni too, right? Like we were able to break up our playtime of that uh, a whole lot just because of the uh, kingdom building mechanic okay you know we would always be jumping back and forth and that was like kind of a nice break for her when she's maybe not uh, you know the she's not the the most thrilled by the the combat um but you know she sees the that that city grow and enjoys that and enjoys kind of uh fulfilling the side quests so uh yeah that that sort of experience that balance can be really important um, and I'm really looking forward mm. to something like maybe seeing like what her reaction to Rune Factory Five might be, um, because you know you can really do a whole lot of stuff in that yeah. sort of game. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I think uh, I yeah, there's there's very few fa- games we sort of gel on and and enjoy together, which is is amusing. So no, it's it's always nice <laughs> when you you know you find even if it's an aspect of a certain game that you sort of go oh hey we both enjoy this let's you know let's sit around and and, and talk or or just you know play and you know people like us we we enjoy talking video games evan so it's nice when you've sort of got that you know something in the medium you enjoy that you're both really getting into sure yeah definitely um i i was just going to ask one real quick question mm. uh, and then we can move on from this but is the the co-op in lego city is that uh, split screen or are you shared uh, sharing the screen split screen oh it is really yeah and and it's not I don't know if you've ever played any Lego games where they sort of do that whole if you get together it goes full screen um, yeah. it's, it's just pure split screen the whole time oh, um, okay yeah which it, it, the world's that big that you know 99.5% of the time you're not on screen together uh, there's nothing wrong with that let people just go off and enjoy whatever part of the game that they want. Right? Exactly right. <laughs> and, you know, and we found there's different challenges there, you know, the car thefts or things like that, that both of us enjoy. So if one of us finds it, it's like, Hey, look what I found for you. And the yeah. other one can warp over, which is good. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Outside of that though, I, I've not been playing a lot of obviously a bit of preparation for the challenge. Jumped back into final fantasy 14. I won't talk about it too much, you know, but still enjoying myself, which is nice. Uh, 
probably a bad time because as we'll get to the next game, it's kind of similar. I mean, it, you know, it, you've already said it, but it's Pokemon. It, there's some similar, <laughs> you know, just run here, do quest, do that, go fight 10 of those, that kind of MMO mechanic in Pokemon. That's, so it's, it's, I've sort of just parked Final Fantasy fourteen for the last few days and really been yeah hitting Pokemon quite hard. She's been good. Yeah, well, you know, and I find it tough to to bounce back and forth between any game that structurally feels really similar. And it, it's funny that you even mentioned that too, because like what I will do normally if I'm playing through an RPG is like my comfort uh, sort of break uh, break from that, uh, or my my comfort game might be something more along the lines of Luminous or uh, Tetris Effect or. Uh, even you know, I would say like Slay the Spire is yep, yep. Uh, just is, just something that's bite size or a complete change of pace. That yeah, no, I, I completely get you. More easily digestible too, um, because if if things really are too similar, then I just kind of feel bogged down by uh, by both uh, experiences. Yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, I guess then we we have to turn to the the, the topic that wait well i just remembered some news oh the switch has sold over 100 million consoles so oh yes switch yeah we did hear some you know investor uh debriefing uh and and you know sales figures and such uh, from nintendo yes and, and speaking of sales figures pokemon Legends of Arceus has already sold what six point five million copies. Yeah, yeah, in, in three days. So <laughs> three days, yeah. Since uh, well, that that was when they had reported it. I mean, um, you know what? It's it surprises me to see uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl uh, up there on their charts already. I think that's one hundred percent around. Yes, thirteen and a half or something. I think the this almost the highest selling remake yeah yeah and i mean you know again they lump both of those games uh in together and i know that some people buy the two packs some people you know buy one version um by itself it makes sense for them to do that right it surprises me that that made as big of an impact as it as it did um, cause yeah, I, I, really, I certainly I didn't felt- hear sort of the discourse around, you know, when Sword and Shield even let's go, you know, I had friends going, oh, I'm going to pick this one up. This looks great. You know, I could see the Pokemon. I, th- that audience, I didn't hear anyone. Uh, so yeah. whether there's just that hidden, you know, diamond and pearl fan set that are just sitting there, or maybe everyone just bought it and went, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely do feel like the, the hype for that game or even just a, a whole lot of it of discussion about it post-release was not very palpable, especially not in the way that I've seen Twitter reacting to uh, Pokemon Legends. We're not, we're not even going to touch on the last word in that, uh, in that title. Exactly. Um, but Hey, let's talk about it. Right. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's reflect back last week. I'd sort of, you know, had, had a night with it. So probably had, four to seven hours or something like that i you know where where have you landed now evan where are you up to uh that's a great question you know what i'm actually gonna take a look at my play time because i think 
I think I should have that logged. My my save file I just took a look at uh, says I'm right at about 28 hours. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> How? Uh, did, you, did you quit your job? Are, are you uh, okay, I did, Evan? I did not quit my job, but I will say I would... <laughs> Most of my last weekend was spent playing uh, that game, and really any time that I have had to spare uh, has been jumping back into the world of uh, Hisui uh, in yeah. Pokemon Legends. Um, you know, this could this could be the the entire topic for this podcast episode, really, because I have a whole lot of thoughts about this game, um, and I mean, I, I'll just say. You know, it's a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it really just feels... 100% completely it, agree. It, yeah, it feels so much like the Pokemon game that I have wanted to play for a very long time. And that's really... That was very exciting to me. Um, and it's it's definitely why I've, I've fallen down into a, a pit of playing this game so much. Um you know, there are some things that surprise me about it. I will say when I first started, you know, you've got the the, the first sort of map, uh, the Obsidian uh, something or others. I spent a whole lot of, of time on that first map and really just kind of running around and gathering materials and um, just kind of like basking in the world. Um, and then as soon as I got uh, the Weirdeer, right... As soon as I unlocked that, yep, it just felt like things. I, I don't even want to say opened up because one thing I I really do like very much about this game is how the the you know Pokemon that you ride on um, really do they they very much expand the places that you can explore, um, which which I thought was really neat. You know, like there there is that dedicated water segment of that first area and you can't really access it until you get to the third um, yep. area yeah so for the purpose i'm i've unlocked the the fourth pokemon is where i'm up to as well okay so um, yeah it's 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 uh, you're right it's i'm finding that i nowhere near as far and as you i mean might be gameplay wise but i sort of i had this you know after we spoke last time you know still dabbling in final fantasy 14 still dabbling in pokemon sort of had this moment where Final Fantasy was really clicking for me. And then mm. I think I sat down and I said, oh, well, let's just jump back on Pokemon. And maybe about t- Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Pokemon really just clicked. Something, you know, something really clicked in me. You know, it's, it's you get into that bit where you're kind of almost going through that samey loop of new area, just catching a few Pokemon. And But what else is there? And then you find that meaty hook of, oh, hang on, I'm exploring, I'm finding these things, or I just want to go and find that alpha Pokemon here and just see what he is, see who he is and what what's going on and... And see if I can tackle it. Uh, so certainly, yeah, got into that. I think I'm myself close to 20 hours. But yeah, into... Yeah, like I said, got that fourth Pokemon unlocked. I haven't sort of really gone back to the areas yet. I've just gone back to the first one with that fourth Pokemon. Because, you know, you like you said, you've got the water. And, and you've got some other things now. And you can really, really explore the areas. And, and get to where you, you couldn't before. I don't know how I feel about the fourth zones... Uh unlock i think it makes a whole lot of sense for that zone in particular i don't necessarily think it's like spoiler worthy uh so- sorts of stuff i mean i don't want to spoil anything ah, it's, for it's, it's been a week now give it to for him. you um 
you know, you've got, I, I was kind of surprised because when they first were marketing this, they showed Weird Deer, right? They showed Basque Legion, uh, and then they showed Braviary, right? Yep. Those were like, those were the three that they really tried to push out there. And uh, Ursa Luna, I think, is a, a novel idea. I think it's a, a little bit limited in execution. Yeah, I, I, I haven't really found myself using it except during some of those main quests that have, that have yeah. come up. Yeah, and uh, again, it, it kind of it gets its justification maybe through the the side quests uh, a little bit, and it's just some of the stuff that you you pick up though, it's it's really kind of basic. I, I don't know. Um, and then the other ride uh, Pokemon that you get is Sneasler, uh, <laughs> I think is uh, is its name, and Correct. it again it makes a whole lot of sense for that the area in which you unlock it because it's such a vertical sort of region, right? Um, but you don't, there's like really only a few um, sorts of uses for it uh, in, in other regions. And I was a little disappointed by that, honestly. I, I think it's the one that I'm, I'm going to use the least. So it's just funny because I'm, I'm actually using it the most going, I'm just kind of walking around and, you know, I, I do find it amusing. You're effectively like the... Uh... The little uh, vampire girl in Demon Slayer being carried around in a basket on <laughs> Sneasler's back, but you know, I, it, I'm I'm finding myself using it the most because it. I think I a gripe I had early on was I didn't feel as free as I did in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I get and, that. And, and that for, this is what's you know I I spent a lot of time early on just you know playing on. Um, what's his name, Mr. Deer Man, you know, just spamming the B button and hopping and trying to jump up and, <laughs> and gl- glitch my way up cliffs. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I, that's what I enjoy. So I'm, I'm finding myself using Sneasler more than any of the others, um, which has been quite amusing. Just going back to the first um, zone and, and just shoehorning my way up, seeing what's up there. Oh, okay, there's nothing up there, but let's find the next one. Um, you know, I have found a few places where I've gotten to and there is just a guy standing there and he's like, huh, how'd you find me? All right. <laughs> you know, it's just, which has been quite amusing. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, I, I get if, if I, I think it's probably one of those ones that, it might be a later on thing, you know, when you're really wanting to just go back and just just find everything. Yeah, um, it, it and... really depends what you're doing. So I, I'm I'm curious to hear, Evan, what's your, you know, you you sit down for an hour and a half. What are you doing? You know, are you hunting out the Pokemon? Are you filling out the Pokedex? What's what's sort of captivating you at the moment? Well, and it's it's funny because like right now I'm in the process of really just trying to buff out my Pokedex um, because like I, what I would do is I, I would pretty much play through the the main sort of uh, narrative and, and that whole quest line um, per region. I would go into the new region. I'd kind of do that entire quest line um, and then... Once I'd done that, then I'd kind of quote unquote take a break in between yep. the main quests yep. and I'd go either back to previous regions now that I have these new ride Pokemon that can unlock new areas for me, um, or I would just go back to that region and kind of explore a little bit more because the main, uh, you know, the these main quests, uh, these main quest lines, they don't really they don't take you through a, a comprehensive tour of the region, which is actually something that I like, um, is that there's yeah, they're, stuff they're, to they're do. Yeah, they're sort of just A, B, A to B to C. 
And then you're sort of right. going, oh, what's... I, I do find myself, yeah, just wandering off sometimes. So then I'm like, no, I need to just crack on. I'm here for this. Let's, you know, let's come back later. But yeah, I find just for the for the means of actually unlocking these new ride Pokemon uh, is why I focus so much on those main, um, those, those main quests, because these, the ride Pokemon really give you a, a whole lot of utility. They, they're uh, valuable tools uh, for you, but yeah, 100%. then, yeah, then I just explore, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm just trying to see as much as I possibly can and, and try to, I'm trying to find where, they are fitting all of these Pokemon uh, in. Yes. Yeah. And, and I've found I did like last night, you know, I went back to the first area, you know, took to that giant sort of river that runs between the, the sections and found the island. And yeah, you you find some new Pokemon and it is quite exciting. I mean, I didn't know who the hell they were. I've never seen them <laughs> in my life. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is. Yeah, it is giving me that sense of adventure of going, oh, I'm, I'm going to go here now and go, oh, hang on. What the hell are they? Who's this little guy? You know, it is it is quite exciting. Like you said earlier, it's sort of what you envisioned a long long time yeah, ago. Yeah, the the only thing which has been quite the nice. only thing that I think is a little bit of a bummer is that there is very clearly, um, at least in a couple of areas, I feel like there's very clearly critical paths. There there's very deliberately designed paths to take you through places, and sometimes you really want to go off the beaten path and explore other things. But that can be yep. that can be a risk for you just in terms of terrain. Like I, <laughs> for the longest time, I, I I really went through a whole lot of this game without uh, quote unquote fainting. Um, and the first time that I actually fainted was from fall damage, and I was rather <laughs> surprised by that. Yeah. Um, no Pokemon had had filled me up until that point, and I was playing. I guess. I, I would say I was playing uh, pretty carefully, um, but that's something else that yeah. I really do like about this uh, this game is the way that Pokemon interact with you. Um, it's I, I'm certainly finding it. Um, well, I'm finding it personally a lot more difficult than any Pokemon game before. Yeah, you know, I'm I I'm certainly hitting a bit. I, I'd say every Pokemon game I've ever played, you get to a point where you've got three or four Pokemon that can just obliterate anyone you encounter. Yes. You know, bar a couple of you know elite four style, you know heavy mm -hmm. trainers, but I'm I'm certainly finding you know even just some of these one on one battles, you know I might lose one or two Pokemon to them. Yeah. Um, it, some of the wild battles, I'm I'm being slaughtered. You know, you go and that's that's the alphas. You know, you go after one, you go, hey, he's level forty, I'm all level forty five through fifty, I've got this, and then all of a sudden they just, you know, there's a level there they can slaughter you, and it's probably the first pokemon game where my starter is not what i'm relying on you know i've got my little evolved oshawott there i forget his name but still got him in the party but not relying on him a lot Ye because he's just not as strong as some of the alphas i've caught yeah well and and that's the thing too is there is a very deliberate system going on here that has to do with these effort points um and so yeah. the one thing that i love about this game uh, and and I, I really think what what fascinates me so much about RPG design is your feedback loops, your positive feedback loops. Is everything that you're doing really adding to a sense of progression? And I would argue that this is the first game in, in a long time, in a, a long history of Pokemon games, where I have just wanted to catch 
literally everything um, because that whole system of releasing Pokemon back out into the wild nets you, you know, this this effort point modifying resource. And that's it does. It does. I didn't know <laughs> yes, this. it does. Okay. Um, okay. I didn't know this. So, yeah, I, have, I haven't started dabbling in the actual, you know, effort point stuff. I've got a couple of the little, you know, grit bags that I've applied to one of my main alphas just because he's already got a couple of level right. threes. So I just apply the big yep. bags. But yeah, I've kind of just been holding everything back until that point where I go, all right, this is the team. This is who I'm really taking forward. And, and yeah, start to just click with those mechanics. But I, yeah, I haven't even dabbled yet. So that's interesting. Yeah. And so what I would say is that if you are packing a party of Pokemon whose effort points are low and you're trying to fight against an alpha or really just against something that uh, is wild, there's, there's definitely some damage scaling going on here where once you get your Pokemon into higher uh, effort point levels, that ri- that whatever modifiers going on there really starts to level off and you start to feel like you've got a team that you've actually invested some good time oh, okay. and uh and and are are well balanced but i will i will also say that um it it has a lot to do with typing too um you know if you are if you're and the pokemon in this game have a whole bunch of tricks up their sleeve you know i, I was going to say yeah cuz i i mean i'm i'm walking around with a with a machamp who's got ice punch fire punch lightning punch and and poison jab you know it's he's just a nice little yeah and that's hey he's yeah it's it's quite it's interesting great but then sometimes you come across a pokemon who you think uh, you know, should be an easy catch, and they pull out a move that is, you know, pretty oh, pretty much yep. primed 100%. to to take out whatever you think would be the 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 easy choice. Um, you know, you know. Yep. Again, another thing I love about this game: the modifiable move sets. So, such just such a great. I so I I hadn't worked that out at all when we spoke last week. You know what? Seven hours in, I I must have missed an instruction somewhere or something. I had no idea. So uh, I was still battling along with my uh, the first four moves any Pokemon. Has. I know, yeah, and that's that. It is it kind of sucks um, because you know, especially if you're trying to raise an Eevee, right? You can end up with a whole bunch of Sylveons just because it has a Fairy move equipped to it. Um, and once you unequip that Fairy move, then it can finally become an Espeon or an Umbreon, um, which is a weir- weird oh, little wow. thing. Yeah. Um, and I will say that there are some things that they communicate very well to you, and there are some things that they definitely do not. Um, I mean, I feel rather embarrassed. We posted an article on Switch RPG uh, just this past week of a, a whole lot of people's first impressions. And I was kind of like, I was really mm. miffed. I was like, why is it that I go out into the field with a set of Pokemon and I have to go all the way back to Jubilife to switch out a new set? And then somebody in the comments goes, well, you can just speak to one of the guys at the base camp and he'll let you switch out your Pokemon from that are back at the ranch. Yeah, 100%. There's a lot of little things. Even, you know, I was watching someone else play and when they were battling to try and catch a Pokemon, you know, they were then opening their items list to throw the Pokeball. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You know, but because it, it doesn't even say, you know, you've just got the L and R button there to switch between your items or switch between your Pokemon, but... Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, in the overworld is to throw the Pokeball, but it's kind of not 
a norm in the Pokemon world. You know, it's that's so far entrenched in you that you either have your little shortcut button on screen or, or whatever. So yeah, that was interesting. But yeah, there's certainly a lot there that's behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I haven't sort of really read much or done anything yet, still just going at my own pace. So I, I think once I probably get in a bit more and unlock, you know, that fifth mount, I might just start to dabble, you know, what, what can I go back and explore? What are the, what are the mechanics I can start dabbling into? Cause I, like you said, I would like to build up my team at the moment. I've kind of just got who are the strongest Pokemon I own, not who do I want in my right. team. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't mind working out that grit and the dust. And so I can go back and go, Oh, well, I want this guy in my team. I want to get back and, and sort of bring them through. Yeah. Um, and what I will say too, is I feel that some of the, the battle, you know, changes, I mean, first off, just battles being so much more seamless, in, in transitions, you know, uh, throwing a, a Pokeball to start a battle. Um, yes. Being just feeling like that battle happens wherever you start it. Um, that, that's it. Yep. And then running around and standing between the Pokemon and then getting hit <laughs> is great fun. It is. So right. I, I mean, I still, I still have the same gripes I had last week. You know, the, the graphical pop up and some of the audio design really irks me. Especially yeah. the, the sound on evolving your Pokemon seems to be the loudest sound in the entire game. Well, I mean, to it's... me, this this game is so primed. It's it's so heavily focused around really filling out your Pokedex, and part of doing that is evolving Pokemon. Why doesn't this game have a skip evolution um, yes. button? Yes, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> That's... But yeah, I think, it, you know, it is, like you said, it is 100% the step in the right direction. For sure. And I... You know, hoping that there's no other Pokemon games later this year. I'm hoping that, you know, they take this engine and we're waiting, you know, till next Christmas. Uh-huh. But I think that that will be the perfect scenario for me if they actually sit there and take the time to flesh out these rough edges. You know, get um, get Monolith in, you know, who I know help with a lot of the, sort of the background art assets on something like Breath of the Wild and a lot of other games and just get, get something like that happening where they can resource up to a team that's, you know, a bit more capable yeah, that's. Um, I I will say, I, I mean, to me, the the thing the thing that I want the most, um, after having played this game for as much time as I had, I, I want a DLC expansion for this game. I I just want more of it. I I love it already. Um, and I, I would be perfectly fine with dropping some extra cash down to get a new region and to get to see more Pokemon. I think that would be extremely fun. Um, I was going to say, going back to battles, though, um, 2v1s? Oh, man, this game does not pull punches. (laughs) 3v1s. Oh, I I entered my first. I hadn't really doubled in the the time distortion. Yeah. Uh, fields oh, yeah. jumped into one yesterday i'm like oh let's just have a nosy what's going on in here and bam there's you know th- three level 45 pokemon <laughs> just attacking me at once and, and you know my pokemon are all about level 40 so i'm like all right this is this is mental i need to get out of here yeah yeah and i don't know you know some people argue that the that the world is empty i don't necessarily agree i feel like wherever i go there's materials to get you know, they've added a whole lot of little, I mean, they have a Korok system. Let's just not mince words. There, there's a, there's a Korok-y sort of mechanic here uh, going on. And uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I think, 
yeah, it, it is quite satisfying when you just sort of stumble across a wisp, you know, when you're just going, oh, I'm going to go over here, see if there's nothing there. I, I think the emptiness probably comes a bit from, you know, there's not, it's probably more to do like if I went into an area and I saw a couple of little Pokemon, but they were curled up in a nest or something like that, you know, it might feel like there's something more rather than them just wandering around. Yeah. But- Some, something little like that, I think would certainly um, build, build on that, you know, that there's nothing to do, do or see. They could definitely better contextualize, uh, you know, just some of the things that are going on uh, in, in this world. I, I agree with that very much. You know, I do like how they, you know, put the uh the hippo uh hippopotamus right in the swamp area right that makes yes that in makes the sense. nice muddy swamps yeah and, and i think they've done really well i mean there's a few pokemon i kind of just keep running into and i'm like i don't need you anymore right i forget his name little like shinx and the shinx evolution <laughs> yeah. little lightning lions i keep finding them everywhere yeah par- like, paris oh. too but, there's a whole yes, shitload of paris uh, oh, and <laughs> Angry. I don't know why they're so angry. Oh, they're, 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 they seem to be the angriest Pokemon in the entire game. They are. I'll walk through an entire zone. Nothing will attack me. All of a sudden, Paris and Parasect are just like, nah, mate, I'm stalking you yeah. for three quarters of this map. Yeah, it's, and it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's bizarre. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's better. Again, it's more challenging. I, I like the challenge. Uh, it, it is. And I think I wasn't expecting that and that's sort of why i you know haven't delved into some of these mechanics and things because i'm like well i don't normally need to in a pokemon game until you know later when i'm looking at breeding and sort of mucking around and 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 forming a nice team exactly so yeah it's 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 something i i haven't really dabbled into and i need to but yeah there's definitely definitely is a challenge there and that's nice and and i do i have heard that you know you're late to post game challenges that you're going to encounter uh, get pretty rough, <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but I I mean honestly, I I don't I don't I I want to play Legend styles game styled games. Like, yes, that's, yep. That- I I'm happy to go back to an old school style one. You know, once every couple of years. But you know, I, do this every one and a half years. Do the other every other one and a half years. Exactly. Let's, and let's keep it. Like, yep. That's that's what I think they should do is really you know give give the these sorts of different gameplay styles a little bit of time to stew uh in between um releases and such and and just kind of flesh out maybe some some mechanics but the thing that i i can't really see working for this style of gameplay is obviously the the story of this game uh is is weird yeah it's very weird Um, but I, I can't see this sort of gameplay style working in a more modern Pokemon setting, um, especially with the lore and the world, you know, everyone's battling, everyone's got Pokemon. It's, it'll take away from some of the aspect of where you are now. I, I'm kind of enjoying the lack of, um, you know, yeah, battles. The, the- it, it's, it spices it up. You know, that, that one scene where you're at the volcano uh-huh. and there's those three individuals and they're like, now we're all challenging you. Yeah. And you've got sort of three battles in a row. I was like, oh shit, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, that was that was quite exciting and nice. But yeah, it's I I know, I, I agree. Yeah, how do you do that? Right. And uh but but also it's just kind of like the the reason that this is a magical experience is because you're getting away from civilization a little bit. And so many of these more recent Pokemon games, they they do a bad job, I think, of blending 
human civilization with Pokemon civilization. I mean, it's it's less yes. yeah, it's it's less Pokemon and and humans coexisting and more just like mm. Pokemon in modern human society. Uh, yeah, I think you've almost got to look at it like with a lens of the Detective Pikachu film. You know, where yeah. they took it to a new realm and they said, hey, this is how this town works. This is how this, you know, that was a lot more embedded, but you could do it in the opposite direction. Like, hey, we've gone out to this, you know, this rural region where, you know, there there are Pokemon, but it's sort of always been a fairly, fairly you know, secluded zone. You know, there's ways they can do it. Uh, whether, oh, definitely. They, you know, put, put more of a lens on, hey, you are exploring, you know, the Pokemon world as we know it has been, you know were held, you know, held to this continent and, you know, we're now looking at expanding out because it's, fuck, there's a giant space-time distortion that's meant the world's never been able to go any further. <laughs> you know, there's there's ways they can do that. And yeah, you're right though, that, that that's their challenge, I think, if they're going to do that I, as opposed to keeping the time frames they have now or the, the times right. in the 1800s. Yeah. Because uh, again, to me, when I was playing uh, Sword and Shield uh, for the first time, the wild area to me felt like what a single route should be in a console-sized Pokemon game. Like the entire wild area to me felt like this this is this is a route. And again, when I look at the regions here, this is a route that th- these regions represent the routes that I'd like to see in between towns. I really I, I, I feel very strongly about that. Um, but I think if Game Freak is pressured to release these games uh, as as quickly as they have been, they don't have time to craft regions like these that are uh, as detailed. Correct, and yeah, and now sitting here, I'm kind of wondering where the hell did they find the time to do this? <laughs> uh, well, I think, again, the lack of NPCs, the lack of civilization, the lack of um, scripted battles... Uh, has given them a lot of time to flesh out these environments a little bit more. And I've also heard that some other people might have helped out a little bit too with development on this. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that's that's all I can really say about this game. I'm just, I'm, I'm having fun. And that is, that's the best thing about it. Yep, one hundred percent. I, you know, I've got got past the, the technical squabbles. I'm, I'm just enjoying. Yeah, it's it's the story is detailed enough as well that I want to know. I, I want to know what's going on in the story. You know, I've I've encountered this individual where I'm up to who's also lost his memory. Yes, and you know, there's an inkling of something there, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's something here. I want to, I want to know more. And let's just say, usually in a Pokemon game, it's yeah, whatever. Press I, I, I don't care. I know. Yeah, and that, that's the thing too is I feel like the the narrative beats in this game have been way better to me than what I've seen in other Pokemon games. Yeah. Um, because you've kind of got more of a focus on specific characters. Uh, but yeah, that character in in particular that you're talking about, uh, you know, again, a, a longtime fan uh, of the series has met that character before. Um. And so it's kind of neat to see them come back uh, mm. in, in some capacity. I'm not. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> anything. Uh, yeah. No. That's yeah. It's 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 definitely fascinating, and I'm I'm finding a lot more there than any other Pokemon game. 
which is you know it's 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 a different it's a struggle now because what do they do that'll be the interesting thing what do they do yeah I, from here because if people respond so favorably to this in comparison with maybe the other products they put out yeah what you're you're, you're very yeah. right what, what do they do um yeah so that'll be interesting yeah so uh, yeah it's it's a it's a good game it's a good game it is a good game. It is a very good game. Yeah. <laughs> but let's let's stop talking about the game that we have been playing. Uh, let's move into our quests. Uh, and which, which for me is a game I've been playing. Well, yes. So that also <laughs> took away from uh, some Pokemon time. This this is true. Uh, I feel like I I led most of this Pokemon discussion. So Nick, do you want to start with your quest? Yes. So. My quest was play an RPG first release before 1990. A nice, easy one, Evan. No, no, no alchemy going on here. No, no merging of you know mobile RPGs released before 1990, which uh, I don't think's feasibly possible. Maybe some kind of weird handheld unit at a university somewhere, a port of Pong. Um, and you know, so I took this to all right. Well, what? What can I do now? I'm kind of disrupted at the moment with work from home. So my computer setup is, um, you know, sort of all over the shop. We've got different monitors in different rooms. Cables are all loose. And, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd had originally wanted to sort of jump on the computer and, and see what I can find with regards to some really old, um, you know, early PC RPGs. But that, that didn't come to fruition. So I sat down the other night and I thought, well, you know, why not? why not go back to where some of the JRPGs I enjoyed started, you know, the likes of Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. So I loaded up Dragon Quest, played that for for an hour or two, and I thought, you know what, Nick, this looks really good for a Famicom game. And then I realized I was playing the Super Nintendo remake. Uh, which, and when was that released again? Is- no, it's, I, I'm pretty sure it was after. Yeah. So I... I said to myself, this will, this will not do. This is cheating. <laughs> this will not do, Nick. Um, and I thought, well, you know what? I've actually got the I've got the, the Famicom Mini. Let's have a hunt around what's on there. All right, Final Fantasy 1's on there. Interesting. But then I thought, you know what I've also got is the limited edition Shonen Jump Famicom. Oh, really? Which has 20, you know, games based on Dragon Ball, Saint Seiya, uh, you know, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, uh, Captain Tsubasa, <laughs> games that were based on, you know, jump franchises released on the Famicom. Wow. And I thought, I'll have a look through there. There's 20 games. Uh, 16 of them were released before 1990. So there's there's no doubt something on here for me. And I, and I started digging around and, you know, there's some real fascinating stuff on there. You had Famicom Jump Hero Retsuden, which was my original sort of game I was going to start playing and you know it's all in Japanese so I, I had an elaborate setup I had my phone set up in front of me aimed at the co- the computer monitor where I had the the mini hooked up um, with Google Translate running <laughs> just so I could try and get the get the main story beats and thankfully the intro for that game was in English so I was like oh this is cool I got into the gameplay though and I'm like this is this is not fun you know it's just a large overworld of and it was an action RPG, so it was just punch. You know, it's it's kind of just walk around. I'm like, well, I could be doing this anywhere. Mm. So I went back and I thought, well, let's have a look through here. What's something that's different? You know, what is something that, you know, you, you talk about anime games now. They're always the same. They're always fighting games. They're sort of, you know, that 3D arena. They're, you know, Kakarot was pretty much like that. It was an RPG, but you've still just got 3D fights. There's no, 
there's no difference and, and which upsets me because you know a lot of the super nintendo dragon ball rpgs were exciting they were turn-based battle rpgs they, there was some real good story stuff there so i ended up landing on a game called dragon ball 3 goku den oh which is a a card-based strategy rpg mm, cool so effectively, and let me just pull up my notes here so I don't uh, butcher anything. <laughs> so this was released in, in 1989 on the Famicom. Uh, it's it, the plot, you know, it's very early Dragon Ball. I don't know how familiar you are with Dragon Ball Evan. Uh, the I, um, original uh, Dragon Ball? Oh, oh, the whole universe, essentially. In, I mean, I, I know... I know Dragon Ball Z like the back of my hand, but I don't know Dragon Ball all that well. Well, they are right. well. This, so this is this is sort of Dragon Ball, early Dragon Ball. Um, Goku's met Bulma. The early plot beats are you know Oolong is out terrorizing cities. You've got to sort of defeat him. That that kind of really early on stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, I'm I'm going to land on this game because at least I I know the story. So if I'm translating bits, you know, I I. I can I can piece together what's going on because it is you know it's loosely based on the the plot of the anime. Um, but fascinating gameplay. So effectively, you have a hand of five cards, and on those five cards will be three things. There'll be a number from one to seven, which is done by a series of dots. A symbol, which will mean either you know an attack, a Kai blast, or an item. And then there'll be a number from one to seven down the bottom, which we'll get to in a second. And basically what happens is you're on the board and it's a Mario Party-esque board. So, you know, it's a strategy game, but you can only move forward or back on this board. Mm. And you you play one of your cards and they've got a number from one to seven. If I play a one, I can move forward or back one space. Okay. And, you know, the board telegraphs, it tells you what's on there. You can see the enemies. You can see, uh, you know, encounters with, friendly friendly individuals you can see the towns but you do also get random encounters so you might land on a blank space and get an enemy encounter and now so you're moving around the board low numbers are good here you know ones to threes because you can hit every space you can collect up items you can get your experience up but then when you get into battles it gets interesting because you've still got the same set of five cards that you had in your hand now if i've played say a a card that's a one to move one space i draw another card so i might draw a seven now I get into battle. Battles are all about high numbers. So you've got to have this sort of fine line balance of keeping the low numbers for navigation, keeping the high numbers for battles and mini games. Now I get into a battle and say I'm battling you, Evan, and we decide it's a, it's a two card battle. I put down two cards. I might put down a four and a seven. You'll flip your cards. Say you've played a five and a six. What happens there with the five, you become the attacker. So you'll attack for a total of five damage. But that third number I spoke about earlier, which is a one to seven, is my defense rating. So I might have played a card that's lower than you, but I might have a defense rating of seven. So you've almost got an attack and a defense on the cards, but you're also playing it in the hopes that you get to be doing the attacking, but hoping that you've got a good enough defense number just sitting there waiting. So it, it's quite nuanced and it, and it did take me about an hour. You know, it's all in Japanese and it took me an hour to, to sort of grasp the battle system and I was dying a hell of a lot. Like I, the first 10 to 15 minutes of this game, I've probably played now about 20 to 30 times because I was just constantly dying. And until it sort of all clicked with the different attacks, the different defense and, and offense move sets, it, it was quite, quite troublesome. And I'm, I'm now in, you know, a, a, a two or three hours I've got, I've gone up quite a few levels. I've got 
more health, I've got more stamina, so I'm I'm less likely to die. But the beauty of the little Famicom Mini is I'm hitting that reset button after every battle and just performing a save state because uh, there is no saving in game; it's a password save. So that's that's quite good. But yeah, so you've got these battles, and you know that's your battle component. But then what you've also got is when you've got friendly encounters. So say you land on a space, and you might see. Uh, Kame or Mr. Popo, they've all got little mini games for you. And all the mini games really do is either give you an item, which might give you a bit of health, or give you new cards for your deck, or sorry, for your hand. And you've only ever got five cards in your hand. And realistically, there's only like 20 different types of cards. So <laughs> there's not really any point to it because you're randomly just drawing these from a deck anyway. Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm getting the feeling from I've just been, you know, reading some some FAQs and things, and I want to give actually a massive shout out to this fella, Kane Strider, has written a massive FAQ for this game, Dragon Ball Three Goku Den. Given it's all completely in Japanese, he's broken down all the mechanics, broken down, you know, the basic plot points. It was quite good playing it and following through the the um, his walkthrough. It's not, you know, I'll oh, select these options when you're speaking to people. It was kind of you're going to go here to speak to Oolong. Here's what he's talking about and here's what's happening. And so I'm still having to sit there and bloody translate words on screen and go, well, what's my option here? You know, I understand yes, I understand no, but I don't know the question they're asking me. <laughs> so um, it, it was a little exercise. And, and you know, I've had this this thing for probably, oh, when it came out, so what, uh, four years almost, and I've, you know, only ever really just dabbled in it to see what are these games. Um, and it was quite, quite good and it was... It was an interesting battle mechanic, and I and I I kind of really enjoyed that. And I was getting into the battles um, by the end of it. You know, I'd leveled up a bit, so I wasn't dying from, you know, losing two card flips. I was now I could I could take you know seven or eight card flips, and then go out and you know I'd, I worked out where my items were so I could heal up. Um, and no, it was quite good. And looking into it, you know, like I said, it's Dragon Ball Three Goku Den. There's there's other ones which started a lot more simplified. And then 1990, Dragon Ball Z Kyoshu Saiyajin came out. And this is the one I actually kind of, you know, when I was looking through them, I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to play this one. It looks like it's got some real quality of life, but you're not moving in a left and right board like a Mario Party. You're actually moving in a in a Fire Emblem strategy board. Mm. So, so there's a lot more freedom and you can see the enemies on that board sort of moving towards you, you know, as you're playing a card and moving, you see them moving around the world map. Hmm. So I, I, I think I might jump into that one and have a crack at it now that, you know, I'm, I'm free from the constraints of the quest. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you, you've put a, a limiter yourself uh, onto this quest, right? Uh, by playing something uh, that's not in uh, a, a language that you're fluent in. Oh, um, 100%. And I think that was part of the exciting part. You know, it was a game that's never been localized, even looking online for, you know, is that, hey, maybe there's a ROM hack someone's put together. Uh, I found one and it was called Shitty English ROM Hack. <laughs> so all that was translated was basically the opening text, the story, and that was kind of it. Any any encounters, you know, I watched a video, any encounters were just complete garbled. So Google Translate was doing a hell of a lot better <laughs> than uh, than the, the English ROM hacks which were out there, which was quite amusing. But no, it was, you know, I, I sort of, I came to grips with the story as well. You know, you've got to find the seven Dragon Balls. Early on, little things like Oolong's terrorizing. You've got to go find... I've, I've found the, the turtle. So I'm now carrying the turtle to take him back to Master Roshi, which is interesting because now that I'm carrying the turtle on the world map, I 
can only move half as much. So I, I play a four card. I only move two spaces because I'm carrying this heavy turtle. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so, you know, and, and it, it's, yeah, it's, I think there's a lot in there and I'm, I'm really surprised by how, how dense they've done this with sort of, you know, just a fairly standard card mechanic, but they've, they've really layered a lot of mechanics in there. It sounds really cool. You know, I, I, I like to think that Japan takes their licensed video games a little bit more seriously uh, than than mm. some of the licensed games that we see in the West. Uh, you know, obviously, movie tie-in games have never really had a very uh, good rap, right? But um, Dragon Ball is uh, an extremely popular property, so that they've tried so many different gameplay styles with it is... To me, I think one of the core str- strengths um, of this, uh, of, of just that series having video game uh, representation. 100%. And there's, especially on the, the GBA and the Super Nintendo, have some really good Dragon Ball RPGs, you know, all, all sort of utilizing different mechanics, different gameplay styles. And it's it, it kind of saddens me, you know, when Kakarot came out, what, two years ago, and it came out on the Switch, I... I I downloaded the demo and I'm just like, I can't do this. <laughs> it's just, there's no unique, you know, it's the exact same standard story. You know, there may be some fluctuations here or there, but the gameplay was pretty much just fly around, spam your Kai attacks. And, and I, I've, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the fighters, a bit like, you know, Pokken fighters. If you've ever played that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's sort of just that, that arena fighter. Yeah. That's the mechanic. And they all seem to have that same mechanic, even something like the Naruto games. Right. I've thoroughly enjoyed historically. I've played quite a few of those and the overworld is really great. There's some great, you know, sort of world building and exploration, but you get into the battles and it's just a bit samey. And I just, I'd like, I I get, you know, these are animes that are action based, but some creative license here or there would be nice to just have a, a different, which is why, you know, you had two years ago, um, the, the fairy tale JRPG came out right. based on the, the anime mm-hmm. and that was turn-based and I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I got through that whole game. I, I went back, started dabbling in some of the, the stuff. It was just a bit shitty. You know, it was made by Gust. It was made by the, the B or C team when they were having a break from making one of the Atelier games. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was fairly safe, but for me, I love that anime and it was just quite nice to play it in a game style that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I, I definitely think there's a lot here for me to dabble back into, especially around the Super Nintendo and Game Boy stuff that, you know, I, I like the story. I like the worlds. It's just, yeah, the gameplay is, is probably back there where, you know, 20 years ago, I might need to start dabbling in. Well, that's always a delicate line that you have to toe with any sort of licensed uh, video game, right? Because do you want to, in the case of Kakarot, retell the entire story of Dragon Ball Z? Or do you want to present some sort of uh, Gaiden-esque sort of story where uh, it doesn't actually factor into the, yeah. the the actual plot line, but it might be more fascinating as a result? Uh, or, you know, you know, you've now got from Dragon Ball Super, you've got all these different universes. You've got all these different characters, even GT, knowing it's not canon now. You know, there's, there's a hell of a lot more there than just Raditz through to Boo. And I think I'm just kind of in that point where if they're doing Raditz through to Boo, I'd love to see it from a different perspective. I'd love to see here's a game based on, you know, maybe maybe the uh, Bulma's family, you know, the large technical component of, of the universe. You know, here's how they 
maybe you know a micromanagement sim how, you know how did they expand the business through those times and and their encounters you know something would be nice but yeah yeah i i do get that uh <laughs> and that's yeah that, that's that's a novel way of approaching the 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 problem uh as well right but i think part of releasing these licensed games is always to try to keep these narratives in the minds of fans 100 percent, you know and especially now with the age you know you've got people that grew up on dragon ball z they've got kids and it's like oh hey look this this is something i can play with the kids right um instead of watching you know x amount of hours of episodes we can play this game uh but i i mean i i do love games that embrace the absurd uh sides of of just being a, a fan of these series one of my favorite games uh for the 3ds is dragon ball fusions which is just yep. absolutely yep. ridiculous uh, sort of gameplay. Uh, I, I remember when that was coming out and, you know, being sort of a, a dragon, just seeing some of the artwork coming out of the fusions. I, I never <laughs> played it myself, but I spent so much time just looking into all the different fusion artworks and all the, you know, it was just, yeah, f- absolutely fascinating. And it's, you know, I, I grew up reading Dragon Ball Z fan fiction and, and shit like that. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's right in my alley. I, I just love the obscure uh, tell and that's what you know it was like it was like a fan fiction but in in a in another way and there's that other one what is it dragon ball heroes the the card building game yeah yeah um on the switch similar thing you know you're a a regular person that lives in a world that has dragon ball as a as an entertainment medium and you're sucked into into the world which is just just a nice little novel approach and and a, and a good way to cast a, a different lens on the story you know definitely my my last question uh, for you would be: Do you think that you kind of learned anything about this era of games, uh, or in in taking on this quest? Uh, I mean, clearly you you seem to have some sort of interest in in getting deeper into this era uh, and and finding out finding more games like this. But uh, yeah, and it's it's it is a it's a thing I do find fascinating. It's that you know the the we'll call them the, the lost RPGs sort of the ones that never made it out of you know Japan and it was interesting looking into say even Dragon Quest last night I know you know that came out in the US as Dragon Warrior it feels like Dragon Quest never came out in power regions in Australia yeah so it's you know not until I think there was the the iOS and Android port in like 2016 or whenever the hell it was so yeah, and, and com- yeah, coming back it, to those games in particular can really feel like mm. uh, being thrown into uh, a, a much simpler time because they're so strange. Yeah, and, and I didn't realize because I've got the the Switch, you know, three-pack um, of, of Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3, and that's what I was sort of looking at. And I, I did, didn't even know there was sort of a SNES remake um, of them. So, because my original thought was, you know, I, I've been putting off playing Dragon Quest 3 because of the 2D HD remake. Right. But then I was kind of also like, you know what? It it wouldn't be awful. Like when, you know, they did that, the, uh, was it Trials of Mana? They did the big 3D reboot. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I, I went, when Senku Detsun or however the hell you pronounce it, 3 finally did come out in English, what, you know, a year before that. I, I played through that just for that reason. I'm like, you know, I really want to see what they do. And I kind of regretted that because all they really did was make it 3D and they didn't really do anything else. Yeah, it was a very literal sort of uh, of translation. Yes, but but the I, you know I'm getting a vibe from this Dragon Quest three that they are taking a lot of pride 
in in what they're building sure so i think it might be yeah i, I, I might just dabble in dragon quest 3 for a, you know half a dozen hours some point in the next few months just so i've got that in the back of my head when it when it does come out yeah and i think the the ports to switch i believe they're based on actually the mobile versions uh, okay yep uh so their art is uh even wonkier <laughs> i think yep um, but I, I, I have heard from many people that the uh, SNES remake of three is really considered to be like one mm-hmm. of the one of the finer points in the series. Um, and three just being a great entry point into Dragon Quest just in general. Uh, it makes sense that that's where they're starting. Yeah. And I believe, you know, it's, it's a very beloved game over in Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, that was... But yes, speaking of <laughs> beloved games, Evan. Uh, listen, <laughs> I know I know many people, uh, actually, who play RPGs on their phones um, and who have played certain kinds of RPGs. And obviously, there is a specific subset of mobile RPGs that's kind of taken up the market uh, a great deal nowadays which is the the gotcha uh sort of yep. uh, rpg and I, I think it's a shame that that's become one of the most widely recognized forms of mobile rpg because i i hate that sort of design and intention uh which is really just to kind of see how much they can nickel and dime you <laughs> oh 100 um I, I that frustrates me a great deal. Uh, so, I mean, that's a genre. That's a sort of subset of the mobile RPG sort of realm that I've never gotten into. But even outside of that, I haven't really played very many RPGs on my phone. And while I could have gone out and done some research, I didn't. I didn't really want to try to get lost in in something all that much um but i i did want to have a discussion about just some of the wild and crazy rpgs that do exist um in the mobile space you know because some of these beloved rpg publishers and and developers have put out their property on mobile devices in really weird ways there was a (laughs) kind of full length final fantasy rpg that was mobile exclusive you know there was a mobile version of final fantasy 15 <laughs> which is weird in its own right um there was a, a tales of game that was uh, exclusively mobile as well uh, and yep. you know there if you if you recall back a few episodes i did try and play one of those and i just got stuck in menus right so i I spent 30 minutes until I actually got into a level. I think it was just very gatchified. Yeah. It was the more recent one. Well, the, the thing that I find to be frustrating about playing an RPG on, on something like a phone is that, you know, we often, we use controllers in compatibility with consoles, right? Because that, that is an easy tool with which to interact with these worlds and when you publish anything uh to the mobile space you need to adapt whatever systems are in that game to touch controls and sometimes people do that in very weird ways yeah yep you know i i have 
I have the Switch port of a mobile RPG uh, called, I believe it's called Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's a very straightforward sort of game. Um, And even the combat is pretty simplistic. Uh, But a a lot of the, whenever I'm prompted uh, to to perform an action uh, in that, that switch port of that mobile game, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, what what, what sort of touch control would this have been mapped to uh, <laughs> if, if I were to be playing this on a phone instead? And, I mean, there are some games where I feel that if, if you really committed to the control scheme being a part of your gameplay experience, uh, then yeah. your, your game will probably benefit from it right something like let's let's just say a, a very basic uh, sort of example is like the legend of zelda phantom hourglass or spirit tracks where movement and combat was really designed around touch controls uh feels more warranted with a release like that than when you're just trying to shoehorn touch controls into something like a final fantasy mobile port Yes, which is interesting. So um, Phantom Hourglass is the only Zelda game my mother has ever played, and she absolutely <laughs> loved it. And, and it was it was purely because the controls were done so well. Like, it was, you know, it was just done well. You're right. It's not just slapping buttons on the touchscreen, which we do find with a lot of those sort of mobile games. And I, um, I will also say that mobile mobile controllers and controller adapters are things that exist now that like that we can access and we have tried to make hardware that uh is more helpful uh, to this experience but again to go back to something that you know exists on one of these platforms and really utilizes or has touch controls at the core of its design i think of something like fantasian right which is an rpg that it's very much trying to present a, a traditional rpg sort of um narrative but also experience on mobile and the, the thing that i i kind of i do think limits it somewhat is how you navigate environments how you have to kind of touch where you want to go and you don't really have total control over your character uh, that's a little frustrating um, but Mistwalker, with developing that game very clearly designed it to be played on a touch oriented device uh, t- to the point that like you know people have said oh well, i'll just wait until it gets a switch port and I kind of don't see a switch port improving that experience all that much. And, you know, outside of what, what it's doing with its, its touch controls, I think Fantasian also takes some really strong, or at least they have a, a very strong understanding of when people are going to play these sorts of games, which is when they don't have anything else on them. Right. Uh, and they're trying to pass time, you know, the the encounter system in Fantasian just banks whatever random encounters you uh, you net, right? And they say, hey, listen, yeah. you've had all of these random encounters. 
if you want to actually tackle them now, you can do that, or you can just keep exploring whatever area you're in. That's right. This was the one that was exclusive to the Apple Arcade service, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And, was, and I, yeah, I probably, okay. I probably should have said that for, uh, first and foremost. No, no, you're. It's, it's just clicked with me because I remember reading about it when it was coming out. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I, uh, to me, that that is the kind of RPG experience that I would want on a mobile device, but instead we really see the mobile market is much more geared towards gotcha yeah. sorts of experiences. And that's the thing, when I, you know, when I keep an eye on it, yeah, you certainly do have those two markets, and then or then you've got the $27 port of Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because, which is bizarre. Because, yeah, that's what I want. Um, but no, it's, it's interesting. So there's a, a game coming out. I'm not sure if it's coming out in the next month or, or very shortly. It's, it's based on a mobile phone game. It's Eglia. Yes, uh-huh. Um, which I've sort of had had my eye on for a little bit because it is one of those ones. It, it's a mobile phone RPG, but sort of coming to console and sort of. I, I'm, I mean, I'm look, loving the look of it. I think it was the Secret of Mana team, the art team behind it, or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, a little one like that. Of I would never bother playing that on my mobile phone. I just I don't care. Yeah. But I'm I'm intrigued <laughs> to have a look at it on the Switch. Right. And, and yeah, it really comes back to like, what sort of experience do you want to have on your phone? Because at the same time, yep. there, let's be real, there's a mobile version of Genshin Impact. <laughs> uh, Which, I, I, so I'll say, I, I did play that quite a bit. So when Genshin Impact came out, I was playing that quite a lot on the PC. And then with the cross save, you know, during the day when I was at work at, you know, my lunch break, I'd go sit out and, you know, have lunch in the park and just sort of do some of my inventory management stuff. So I, I, I was sort of almost using it as a, as a separate game. I was, you know, by night just going out doing raids and exploring and then during the day sort of inventory management and sort of just, just, you know, overall, where's my quest? What am I up to? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Which was quite interesting. But, but even then, you know, I can't imagine even attempting to tackle a game that big on no no i i did i actually a guy i worked with he was playing it exclusively on his mobile phone and i don't know what was wrong with him (laughs) uh but but yeah no he he was playing and i'm like i can't do it and you know it was on the pc but took up a lot of space and i don't always just like sitting on the pc that's why i thoroughly enjoy gaming on the switch it's that best of both worlds yeah and uh, you know again there are some there there are some games that have been developed specifically for mobile devices that seem to work best in that space um you know i guess i would say um like the elder scrolls uh, blades right which is very much a, a traditional sort of dungeon crawly style uh, RPG uh, experience that works pretty well on mobile, um, and yeah, you can play it on on other devices too. But uh, it, it it was deliberately designed uh, for that purpose, and and that's the it's it, yeah, it's not the type of thing you sit there and sink time into. It's little bite sized chunks. Right, I I wouldn't want to play that on my Switch on the TV, right? Because it just it it's not the meaty sort of experience that I expect from sitting down and playing a video game rpg so i i I don't know it's um it's a fascinating subject to me and you know again i should 
just looking at this quest uh, and and acknowledging what experience I do have uh, with RPGs, mobile RPGs, with um, with what uh, I don't know what experience I have, but also what exposure I have too. I mean, can I really talk about a mobile RPG that I think is worth playing if I if I have not played very many? Uh, no, I don't think I can. Um, but to even just take a closer look at this uh, specific subgenre, I think is is important to acknowledge um, because for a lot of people, they might just think of the mobile RPG as something like a gotcha game. Um, and there are also gotcha games that don't really try to nickel and dime you all that much or are competent games they just happen to also have a gotcha like, I, I i will flag i played a hell of a lot of dragalia lost right that's that is one um, example that i would i would jump to which, which is an amusing one because you actually had them come out and say nintendo told them not to nickel and dime as much as they were planning to right but that's i mean it's it's such a fascinating game to me too because it's also mm a nintendo it's a nintendo mobile exclusive ip as in mm. we've never seen dragalia lost console no games. and like when it when it was coming out so i was really enjoying it you know the i had a, a colleague and i were both playing it um quite quite a lot so you know we I had someone to talk about it and you know we were enjoying the story as it was unfolding uh, we were enjoying going on the raids, you know, and, and the gameplay was varying enough that, you know, when they were adding a new chapter, you know, every two weeks or whatever, it's like, oh, shit, you know, this week's big boss battle is a 20-person, you know, battle or, oh, no, it's a new level, you know, we can get a small little group going. So there was quite a bit of variation. And, yeah, the, yeah you, you know, you did have your gachas and your, your nickel and dime, but it wasn't that bad. We were earning more than enough just, you know, playing it regularly and, and receiving the handouts you know, going, oh, you know, I've got to this level or doing the story quest. Oh, here's your gems you get for that. And it gets annoying when you've got all your currencies. But once you get into it, if you're not spending money and they're handing it out easy enough, um, it was it was quite exciting. Right. And so the last game that I would really <laughs> mention here is it's not actually a mobile game. It's a game that I feel should have been on mobile devices, because to me, it just seemed like the design that they used for this game was completely mobile oriented. Um, it just so happened to release on the 3DS, but uh, it was Pokemon Rumble World. Uh, are you familiar with this game, Nick? I, I certainly am, and don't worry, there's a mobile version. Oh, there so is. Good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a there's a mobile Pokemon Rumble. Oh, I I don't doubt that there's a mobile pokemon rumble but rumble world to me really had all of those elements of like hey this would work really well on a on a phone yeah i i i played it quite a bit yeah it's um it was quite fun i think i had played the pokemon rumble on 3ds i tend to for some reason play all these little uh mobile pokemon games i don't know why but every now and again i search the pokemon company on the store and just see what they've put out <laughs> but no you know enjoyed this there was that other one that came out on the switch i can't remember the name of it but you know there's so many puzzle games but no the the pokemon game mobile games have all been fairly enjoyable uh which has been nice. i i did play pokemon rumble quest on my switch or no not rumble yep. quest pokemon quest uh yep. and when i played it on my switch i said 
this to me makes a whole lot more sense as a mobile game. Uh, it, yeah, it, and, and I, I'd played that on my mobile before it came out on the Switch, so I kind of had to start all again on the Switch, which was annoying, but yeah. yeah but, it was... but I will say the best Pokemon mobile game is Magikarp Jump. <laughs> okay. If, if, if you want a bit of fun, Magikarp Jump. It's just about training Magikarp so that they can jump higher, and that's it. Get on it. It's, it's nice and simple. Five minutes of your day. It's good fun. They even based an episode of the anime about it which was quite amusing because it was just a, a sort of little 10-minute part episode where uh, Ash's friend Go is uh, doing a yeah a Magikarp jumping competition and his Magikarp jumps so high it just doesn't come down. Well, that that's <laughs> that's a beautiful thing, truly. Yeah, it's free. Uh, but yeah, so that's really all I have to say about mobile games. I haven't played any. I really don't have much interest in playing them, but I guess I will make it a personal quest uh if i should ever end up landing on this quest again yeah sorry i'm watching video footage of pokemon rumble rush on the phone and i really want to play it again so i think i might be installing it after this because it's it's just reminding me of how much i enjoyed myself well i i gotta say i do i mean i've always loved the pokemon rumble games it's a, for some reason just a weird like sub subset of the pokemon games that has just always appealed yep. to me uh but i will say the first pokemon rumble to me the one that was released on the wii is still the the gold standard of what these games could be and they've never really gotten yep. back to and and weren't they because at the time weren't they releasing little figurines as well because this was before amiibos i'm pretty sure they were putting out little they they did um, they did uh, release yes NFCs not NFTs. <laughs> um, yes, yes, it, and, and Pokemon NFTs. You've heard it here first, everyone. No, they they did release those tiny uh, figurines for the Wii U uh, game, um, which I I've I own two of, uh, and I've tr I've nice. thought about getting more of at some point, but they are so they were produced in such limited amounts because it was a novelty uh, collectible for a Wii U game uh, that it is extremely hard to get your hands on them uh, in any way. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do like po Pokemon uh, Rumble games very much. Um, so I guess we can move on to further leaving Jeremy in the dust with some, uh, with some roles for next week. Uh, does that sound good to you, Nick? It does, except for the fact that I can't find Pokemon Rumble Rush on the App Store anymore. Yeah, I do believe it has been discontinued and uh, shut well, down. I, you, you didn't, you didn't tell me that before. You just, just got me excited, and then. Uh, yes, I did not tell you that. All right, I'm gonna have to go play Pokemon Quest again. <laughs> right. I, I, yes, I, think, I am ready, ready to roll. I think that's a poor substitute, honestly. But uh, yeah, I agreed. Sorry, sorry to to crush your hopes and dreams yeah let's 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 take a roll here shall we <laughs> yes uh i ended up getting a three which stops me right before a <laughs> an enemy encounter uh so i you got quite a quite a high roll last time i did i did but i am at 39 right now which is an rpg with branching storylines oh joy uh, this is not something that i that I get into all that much, but I was to say he, he is a if you had a, a good background in Western RPGs, you'd have a, a plethora of of games to talk about. Yeah, there you go. This is true. Well, maybe I'll have to get into one. Exactly. 
come back and you can play some some Skyrim or something. Sure. I mean, oh, so honestly, you just need to play the first five minutes of Skyrim and you've already branched the stories. You're good. <laughs> okay, if you say so. <laughs> Which I coincidentally didn't find out until about my fifth playthrough that there were two opening story selections because <laughs> it's pretty much like either go here or go here and I just always went to the first place I saw. Um, all right, I'm ready to go. I've rolled a five. A roguelike slash light RPG that you love. Well, I've only ever played like one and that's Hades. So I'll probably be talking about Hades next week. I can, oh, I can spoil because that's about the only one I've really played in, in, any, in any massive detail um, that I haven't spoken about recently. Well, you could play another one. I could. I, you know what? They're always quite quick, short games. So maybe I'll, I'll have a dig around and see where we go. See, how many, see, see the hooks that Pokemon um, Legends has into me still if I have time. Oh, sure. This is this is true, but uh, yeah, those are that's a pair of pretty good quests. Uh, yeah, I, I I like that, and and I think the roguelite one is definitely something we've not dabbled in yeah. before, so that'll be interesting. We haven't talked about it all that much, so yeah, we'll, no. we will definitely get into that next week. But for now, uh, we'll move into our plugs. So, Nick, can people find you anywhere? They can. They can find me on Twitter at RPG Nick with two eyes. And last night, my wife was like, can I look at your Twitter? And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I want to see. So I showed it to her and she's like, you're a nerd. And then closed it. So, you know, it's clearly, it's full of fun, nerdy content. It's got the stamp of approval. So get on there. For sure. Yes, you should. Um, You can also find me at RPGSEB on Twitter. We have a uh, a, uh, RPG PodQuest Twitter account. Uh, that is at RPG PodQuest. Uh, you can send us uh, emails if you do ever want to ask us questions or talk about our terrible tastes in games uh, at RPGPodQuest at gmail.com. We have an Instagram as well uh, where we will post uh, new episodes as well as some other neat uh, little side features. Uh, and you can find this podcast all over the place. Apple, Google, Spotify. Those are the places. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, thinking about this. I've got quite a few sort of like older JRPGs I've collected in my travels to Japan. So I might grab a few photos of a few little oddities I've got, Evan. And, oh, that'd and be that'd be can, lovely. Yeah. yeah, that'd be a great thing. Um, yeah, I would just and again, just hearing about your Nito uh, Shonen Jump uh, mini Famicom that that's got me uh, quite fascinated. Uh, but yeah, we, we would lo- we want to share. All of the crazy stuff that we have that's RPG related uh, with you. I-, I have quite a few collector's editions of stuff myself, uh, too. So I will definitely be breaking that out on the Instagram uh, as well. So we'll have tons more content to share with you in the near future. But for now, I think, Nick, you and I should head out on our next quests. Enjoy. Fairly well, everyone. See you around, everybody.